Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Well, it's going to be one of our favorite kinds of shows here on Cover Your Assets KC today. Walter Storholt alongside David Dickens, President and Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors. Find us online at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. It's a mailbag edition of the show where we answer listener questions, and uh, we invite you, as always, to send your questions in to David. You can do that at ddickens at kcfa.com. Contact info in the description of today's show if you want to get in touch. David, great to be with you this week. I know this is one of your favorite kinds of shows. It is. I love these. These are topics that people, you know, we pick the topics otherwise. So these are topics that people are actually interested in, and they need a little follow-up. So I, I love these ones. Yep, this is fantastic, and uh, we've got, uh, I'm going to call it two and a half listener questions today, because the third one's a little bit uh, little bit different, so we've got two two official ones, and then a third one that'll be a wild card. Now, if that's not a good teaser for people to stick around <laughs> to the third one. Got to stick around to the end on that. Got to see what the wild card question is. Uh, our first one comes to us from Jen, so let's break this down. Jen says, I enjoyed your podcast about using my investments to manage my taxes. Well, thank you, Jen. Uh, I was trying to explain the wash sale rule to my boyfriend, and he's pretty sure the IRS requirement is for 30 trading days, not 30 calendar days. Can you please clarify this for us? Yeah, so that's a good question, uh, Jen, and I'm glad you were chatting it up with somebody. Uh, that evidently meant you learned I, something. It and, sounds and like she and her boyfriend have a pretty good relationship if they're discussing their finances in such detail about trading days and wash sale rules and things like that. Yeah, well, who knows about that relationship? We probably shouldn't delve too deeply into that, but <laughs> good for them. So, Jen, the answer is that it's actually, you're right, 30 calendar days. It's not 30 trading days. So, you know, five days a week, uh, 30 would be a lot longer. It would be a month and a half instead of a month. So all you have to do is wait 30 calendar days between taking a loss, not to redo the entire podcast, but what you're trying to avoid is having a loss that you take on security disqualified for tax purposes by the IRS. So what you've done is you've sold a security and before you can buy that, let's say you sold a security you really liked and you're convinced it's going up, but as we discussed last time, you want to take the loss for tax purposes. So you just have to make sure that you don't buy that same security back or a materially similar security. So basically an example of that would be if you sold an ETF SPY, which mirrors the S&P 500. Well, Vanguard has exact same thing, but just by a different company, it goes by the ticker symbol IVV. Well, you couldn't sell SPY and buy IVV the next day and that would be a wash sale they would eliminate the loss, you couldn't claim it. Here's why that's important. So let's say that you're trying to manage your taxes here and you sell something in a gain, let's say a, a $10,000 gain, and then you turn right around and sell a different security for a $10,000 loss and you're thinking, great, I've offset the gain with the loss so I'm not gonna have any taxes to pay. But later in the month, you forget that you're not supposed to buy that same security back that you sold at a loss and you do buy it back. Well, now what you have at tax time is you have your, your gain, your $10,000 gain, but you do not have the $10,000 loss that you thought you had to offset the gain. So instead of having these two, the profit and the loss offset each other, 
in this case, you're going to pay taxes on that 10 grand of gain because you can't recognize the loss. That's why the wash sale rule is so important. You think you've taken a loss for tax purposes, and the way you goof that up is by buying that same security back within that 30 day, 30 calendar day period. So just stay aware of that and you ought to be fine. Good to know and great question, Jen. Thanks for sending that one in to us. Wash sale rules can get a little complicated and there's the skinny on it. So thanks for the clarification, David. Uh, On to a question from John, our second of the day. By the way, if you have any questions that you'd like to talk through with David, it doesn't have to be one that we feature on the show. If you just want to have a one-on-one chat or set up time to come into the office and go into more detail about your financial plan, or if it's some clarification like this about your situation that you want, feel free to get in touch. 913-317-1414 is the number, or coveryourassetskc.com. All right, John says, you discussed capital loss carry-forwards last week on the podcast, and I have two questions. All right, so first one is, I get confused about when I can offset gains with losses or then sometimes just write off losses against other income. Can you clarify that rule? Do you want to answer that one first, David, and then we'll go to part two of the question? Well, what's, what's his second part? All right, so the second part is also I noticed that my elderly father has a pretty large tax loss carry forward on his 2021 tax return, and is that something I can inherit? Okay, so, um, so John, the, the capital loss carry forward rules can be kind of sticky. So if you feel at all uncertain, then make sure you talk with your tax person or your uh, investment advisor, and hopefully they can get things straightened out for you. So let me go to the second question first and just say, if your parent dies with a tax loss carry forward on last year's tax return, that tax benefit, that potential tax benefit dies with them. So you cannot inherit a tax loss carry forward. So John knows, but our listeners might not know, well, how would I know if my parents did have a tax loss carry forward. Pretty simple stuff. If you look at their 2021 tax return and go to Schedule D, D like David, so the the Schedule D changes some from year to year, but in this year, if you look at line 6 and line 14, that will tell you if they have any short-term tax loss carry forwards or long-term tax loss carry forwards. That's where you'd go to figure out if a parent has a tax loss carry forward that would go to the grave with them. And so that's just an asset that they can use while they're living, and they probably then have some sort of taxable brokerage account, and maybe if they have a tax loss carry forward, there's some gains that you can recognize that would offset the loss, and the gain, of course, wouldn't be taxable in 2022, as long as it was less than the tax loss carry forward they have going. So that was John's second question. His first one was, (laughs) when can I offset gains and losses and how much and and etc. So let me go through a quickie little example that I think will clarify John's question. So let's say that you own some Netflix stock. The place to start here is if these gains and losses are in your IRA or your Roth IRA, then that's not what we're talking about. Because when you take a gain or a loss in one of those two types of accounts, the IRS doesn't care. The only time they care is when you take money out of that account because that's the taxable transaction in an IRA. And with a Roth, it doesn't matter because all taxes are already paid. So we're only talking about a taxable brokerage account. Maybe it's the money you inherited. 
Maybe it's money you've saved outside of your, your IRA and 401k and Roth. So a taxable brokerage account, and let's say you own some Netflix stock, just a good example, since it's down a bunch this year. And maybe you bought it somewhat recently, and then you, you got nervous and sold because you think it's going down further. So you realized a $20,000 loss, for instance, on your sale of your Netflix stock. Now you also own some Chevron stock, and if you've been watching the market, you probably know that Netflix is way down and Chevron's having a pretty good year because oil is up. So at the same time that you took the $20,000 Netflix loss, you also took a $12,000 gain in your Chevron stock. So what happens here when you file, and, and let's just say you don't do anything else this year, your $12,000 gain will be fully offset by the $20,000 loss you took in your Netflix stock. And you've got another eight grand left over because obviously 20,000 is bigger than 12,000. So now you have, um, uh, you, you, you pay no taxes on the gain on the Chevron stock and you have $8,000 worth of extra losses. Now it'd be pretty cool if the IRS said, you know what, John, just go ahead and take that eight grand off of your earnings and we're not going to worry about it. But that's not what they say. What they say is that you can take that loss up to the extent of the gains that you have plus another three grand. So John has excess losses, a potential loss carry forward of eight grand. So if he's married filing joint, he can take another three grand off of his income tax to, re, to further reduce his income. If John happens to be filing single, then they can only take $1,500. Either way, you get a little over and above what you had in gains, so you can use some of that loss. So what does he have next year? So um, John had an $8,000 excess loss. Let's say he's married filing joint, so now he has five grand that is, that is a uh, loss carry forward. And he can use that next year in, on his 2022 taxes, to, uh, his 2023 taxes, to offset any gains that he might have in 2023. Now let's say that John just kind of closed down his, his trading and he's, he's gotten discouraged and he says, ah, I'm not doing anything. So he doesn't have any gains or losses next year that he's realized. So he has that $5,000 carry forward. So next year he can write off another 3,000 and he'll have a $2,000 carry forward going into 2024. Those capital loss carry forwards never expire as long as you're alive or as long as your spouse is alive. So he could carry those forward. Let's say he took a really big loss. I've seen these, I've seen loss carry forwards still around from 2008 and 2009, believe it or not, which is a long time ago, but those don't ever expire. So John, you can keep carrying those forward for as long as you're living, and they will serve to do two things for you. They'll offset future gains, and if you don't have any of those, you can write that loss carry forward down by three grand a year to offset other income. If you're married filing joint, 1500 bucks a year if you're filing single. 
John, hopefully that's helpful. It does get kind of twisty and complicated. So if, if that's not clear for you, make sure you talk to your advisor or to, um, to your tax person, and they'll get you straightened out. Just me, David, but when we start getting into things like that, that's where I'm sure glad I have somebody like you to talk to, to help navigate <laughs> through those waters. There's there's something in finances that, uh, some things where I'm like, all right, I, I can handle this. I can wrap my head around it. I can handle it just fine. I'm very confident. Great. Then we, we just hit a certain threshold where I'm like, man, it'd be great to have somebody else figure this out for me. That I, yep. I feel like my threshold, my personal threshold was crossed uh, here over the last couple of minutes. So I'd be like, David, need your help? Uh, sign me up. Where do, where do we go? <laughs> so, Walter, are you a golfer? Um, a, a very sparse playing one and, and not very good one, but I guess yes. <laughs> so this, this whole thing kind of reminds me of something I've learned in golf, which is sometimes the rules are your friend. Mm. And most times, you know, you, you hit one out of bounds, and you're like, oh, I hate this rule. I, I lose the stroke and distance. But sometimes you hit it into a lateral hazard, and it's really important to know the difference. So knowing the rules can be super helpful because some of them actually work in your favor. And this is, this is one of them that, you know, just walking around being a regular human being, you're unlikely to know this rule because you don't see it very often. So that's why sometimes it's, it's important to speak with someone who, who works with us all the time, get a little bit of professional help or advice, and that can take you a long way to understanding when the rules actually work in your favor. That's a great point. I, I love it, David. Thank you for uh, the explanation, and I think that is a pretty good comparison as well. So we've covered a lot of ground so far. Again, if you've got any questions, 913-317-1414 is an easy number to call and get more info from David and the KC Financial Advisors team. You can also find us online at CoverYourAssetsKC.com or check the description of today's show for a helpful link to take you to where you can get more info. All right, so I said we had two and a half questions because our (laughs) third listener question isn't really a recent question from a listener, but David sort of passed me a note, if you will, that it's something that's been on his mind about brokers and advisors who take advantage of their clients, the the Bernie Madoffs of the world. So uh, where do you want to go with this, David? Well, so what made me think of this is I was preparing for this podcast. I get way more emails in a day than you should, but but occasionally I get one from a, a company called Think Advisor, and it's a it's a newsletter. It's an e, an e newsletter, and it seems like once a week they have an article about some ex broker or ex advisor who's been bilking money out of their clients, and now they're hopefully most times they're going to prison for it, and you you think. Gosh, how do people keep getting lured into these types of things? So this guy, he's a former broker. He lives in Southern California. He built $3.2 million out of mostly people who didn't have much. You know, they had, I mean, this one lady lost twenty her $20,000 life savings to this guy. And he used the money for credit card payments and a trip to Vegas, casino expenses, two vehicles, a Jeep, and an Alfa Romeo. I happen to be reading from the article right now. But it's so frustrating to know that this happens to people because you go into somebody's office like like my office or some other office where you think you can trust the person on the other side of the desk. What I wanted to do is just just give you a couple of, of red flags that, that when, when you hear this, an alarm should go off in your brain. And, and then that's when you really start, need to start asking more questions. So, for instance, it's really important. This, this guy that I'm reading about in this, 
in this article, his clients were writing checks to him, <laughs> and Oops, sometimes that's to not his, good. <laughs> and sometimes to his firm. That's that, just that really like not good. Idea. And so I would strongly encourage you, as a listener of this. So every client, every check that a client writes to me in parentheses in quotation marks, for the business that I do for them, they write that check to the third party. Say, for instance, they want to put money into a, an advisory account that I'm going to manage for them. They don't write the money to me or to KCFA. They write it to TD Ameritrade, the third party independent custodian who really works for them. They're just a trusted third party. So for dollars that go in or dollars that go out, the dollars come from TD Ameritrade directly to them, not through me. And when they write money to deposit money into that account, it goes to TD Ameritrade and then on the, on the memo line for their benefit, whatever that client's name is. The other thing that an independent third party gives you is independent reporting. So one of the things about Bernie Madoff was he was creating the statements that he sent to his clients. They didn't get a statement from a third party. They just trusted what old Bernie was telling them was true. What you want is an independent statement coming from, I mean, the big three are TD Ameritrade, Schwab, and Fidelity. But, you know, there are tens, not hundreds, but there are, there are tens of good third-party custodians, and you just want to make sure that you get monthly or quarterly statements and hopefully some online access directly from them, not some report that your advisor or broker sends you, because those can be manipulated. But coming from a third-party custodian, they're not going to be manipulated. The other thing that was weird about this, um, this article that this particular guy I was reading about is it says that uh, he deceived over 100 clients by lying to them that he would invest their funds in short-term construction loans that would pay large returns ranging from 15 to 30 percent for a period of up to 90 days. Everybody's heard the phrase, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Anytime you're talking to a broker or an advisor and they're promising outsized returns, Everybody knows that if you go into a bank today, you're going to get about a half a percent on your money, or maybe 1%. You're not going to get 15 to 30%. Corporate bonds are probably going to pay you 5% a year, not 15 to 30% in 90 days. So you just got to have your radar up a little bit. You don't have to be super smart at this stuff. You just got to think, wow, 15 to 30% in 90 days, or even in a year? Something, some level of risk is causing me to get that kind of return, why would I do that without a lot more questions? So make sure you're using a third-party custodian or walk out. If somebody's promising you large returns over a short period of time, walk away. And then if you're still kind of interested, talk to a trusted friend who's knowledgeable about this kind of stuff so they can try to talk you out of something that doesn't smell right. And then finally, a website if you just Google broker check, it's a website run by FINRA. And FINRA is the regulatory agency that governs my business, the financial business, F-I-N-R-A. It's the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. And if you just Google broker check, it'll take you to a, to a website where you can type in David Dickens, Overland Park, Kansas, and it'll tell you a lot of stuff about me. 
it'll tell you where I've been licensed, how I'm licensed. Do I have any regulatory problems in my history? When you're thinking about giving somebody your $100,000 or your half a million dollars or your $2 million, not giving it to them, but letting them work with it directly, you really ought to do a little bit of research into who that person is, where they've been, and does the regulatory authority know something that I haven't found out yet and I should know? That is, if our listeners did those couple of things, they'll never find themselves as, it's highly unlikely. <laughs> Never's a long time, right, Walter? But it's highly unlikely they would ever find themselves the subject of one of these types of email reports that come to my inbox every week. So a lot of that was probably, most of our listeners probably say, okay, I knew most of that. But if any of that was new for you, then really commit that to memory because as you just really need to care about your money and there are ways to protect your money, but a lot of times it's gonna be, it's gonna start with you. And hopefully you find, you wander into the office of somebody who is above reproach and super high integrity, but sometimes that doesn't happen. So know enough that you can be a, a good advocate for yourself. Fantastic, David, and uh, great guidance on that. I know that, uh, you know, above all, we want to have successful retirements. And yes, uh, we focus so much on percentage of returns and, uh, you know, squeezing the most out of our opportunities. But before all of that, you know, really the base level should just be making sure we don't lose it all, make some silly mistake. And, uh, you know, who cares about if it's a 3 or 4% return if you make a mistake where you're losing, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars or your entire nest egg to some unscrupulous party. So uh, sometimes we should focus on these base level things to just re remember. Sometimes it can, they get craftier and craftier, right, David? Oh, the my gosh. That, that take advantage of us. They're getting so us. good. Yeah. They're always the, tweaking I mean, the their fishing, methods. The, <laughs> the phishing emails that we get these days. But that didn't, uh, didn't even exist five or seven years ago. And now these guys are getting really, really good. So, yeah. you know, clicking on links that you don't know anything about. Well, that's a bad idea, too. But, yeah, the, uh, the crooks are getting really good. And sometimes the crooks sit behind desks in nice offices. Or sometimes they call for an appointment and come to your house. So a little bit of, of this caution can take you a long way to making sure you don't make a big mistake with your money. Great points. And again, if you have questions on something we've talked about on today's episode or want to ask your own questions to David, whether it be on a future episode or just a one-on-one -on -one conversation, don't hesitate to reach out. You can call 913-317-1414. You can go to CoverYourAssetsKC.com or email David at ddickens at kcfa.com. Contact info in the description of the show so you can find it easily. David, thanks for breaking all these down, and I look forward to some new episodes with you coming up starting next week. Yep, I will look forward to the same, Walter. Thanks. Everybody take care. Until then, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Cover Your Assets KC. Investment advisory services offered through ChangePath LLC, a registered investment advisor. ChangePath LLC and KC Financial Advisors are separate companies.